take thou authority to preach the gospel. Indeed, I look upon all the world as my parish. This is Paul Nixon, and I welcome each of you back to another episode of Field Preachers Podcast. Today, I have two friends who have never met one another until this moment. I have, first of all, in North Carolina, I have Lexi Hernandez, who is a church planter for a project called Growth Co., and she'll tell us about that name in just a minute. And then from Leeds, um, England, I have Mark Stennett, who is a Methodist minister serving the Leeds North and East Circuit. And as I got to know the two of them and was following their work, there were some similarities um, across the Atlantic Ocean that caught my attention, which is why I'm bringing them together today. Um, Lexi, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's a Monday, but this makes it a lot better than it was to begin with. I'm still kind of getting in the swing of the week, but this is a great way to start the week off. It is a Monday, and it's a Monday evening in the UK. Mark, how are you doing? It is indeed. Uh, Yeah, I'm doing all right. It's the beginning of our half term, so I've got two small kids who've been running around crazy, looking forward to time off. So uh, a little bit frazzled, looking forward to, yeah, winding down for a week or so. So looking good. So one of the reasons that you each reminded me of each other in your work is because you're both doing some experimentation, but in, but specifically the thing that caught my interest was the fact that you're mailing boxes to people, um, little like ministry kits that they then can use when you were doing digital ministry offerings. Um, Lexi, where did you get the idea to mail a box of supplies to people? As much as I would love to say that it just hit me one day, that's actually not the fact. Um, We here at West Church, which is the anchor church of Growth Co., I am in charge of the children's ministry. And for our children's ministry, we do a YouTube episode every other week where um, we have volunteers who come in and film science experiments, crafts, minute to win it, Bible stories, character development segments, all sorts of things. And so each month, the children get a box that has all of the materials for them to do the science experiments and the crafts and all of that in it. So that's what the children's ministry does. And I thought, you know, I'm 25. How awesome would it be to get a subscription box in the mail as well? And that's kind of where the inspiration for Growth Co. and the box ministry came from. So you've been doing the box for a while? I've been doing the box for the children's ministry since COVID started. That was the solution for um, keeping the kids involved and engaged during COVID. And then it kind of um, evolved into something for 20s and 30s. Well, we hear a lot of people that are on the younger end of the age spectrum saying that they're so over Zoom and whatever because they deal with it a lot in order to go to work or to go to school. And older adults seem to think it's like a little pretty toy. They have a good time with it. But this obviously helps people to engage. And it's a less passive thing. Yeah, um, we have spiritual and fun aspects of the box. So the meat of 
our box for Growth Co. is called the Growth Kit, and it has materials to encourage intentional spiritual and character development. So we have um, meditation questions. We have Bible verses as little reminders. Um, we have discussion questions. We have personal reflection questions. But then we also have things like throwback toys from the 90s that we had growing up that we kind of slip in some little fun parts in there. We have sustainability items because I feel like um, our generation is really into planet saving and sustainability in general. Um, we have uh, health items as well. So each box kind of follows a theme and then we throw um, spiritual content in there as well as fun and sustainable health items as well. So it's a good mix to kind of be a gift box, but also help you encourage your personal development and your spiritual development. So Mark, in your ministry in and around Leeds, are you mailing boxes too? I'm going to start off by saying I can't take all the credit. Um, I started off um, having a conversation with my wife about a year ago. And basically, um, dare I say, when we were kind of coming to terms with COVID, uh, it was becoming quite apparent that my wife was getting like a craft uh, subscription with wool and dare I say various things, I don't know. Uh, And my children were both kind of getting these educational resources, sort of fun things with stickers and like uh, make a catapult one week or make this and the other it was like a monthly thing in fact and um and i just said to my wife on the on the off sort of thinking saying it's a shame you can't do church this way uh and uh and that kind of stewed for quite a while and um when it came to our covenant services which we tend to have kind of the beginning of the the calendar year uh we my wife sort of said oh i really like that idea about that subscription thing so um so she ran with it uh, to do a covenant box so you'd have the covenant prayer but also kind of threw in like a tea bag or like a coffee sachet and things like that just to have that kind of idea of fellowship and again so that kind of stewed again for a little bit longer and during covid we were doing like a weekly live family worship uh, so we called it family friendly worship which meant that before we did any kind of zoom services to our traditional folk uh, we would be at an hour earlier doing like a little kids thing for half an hour and uh, and that started off with just kind of saying get these things to hand have these things to hand and as we kind of came out of lockdown and things like that we we kind of said actually this has got a bit more traction this has got quite a good idea to do more subscription for the kind of uh, yeah the litlies for the the family gatherings so that's kind of where it stemmed from and we kind of got talking to our district so kind of the the broader uh, yeah kind of churches in the area and um and the youth and children's worker there kind of went, yeah, that's a fab idea. So we've kind of done it together as a district because we thought it was quite labour intensive for just doing it for like one church or one circuit. We wanted to expand it further. So how many boxes are you like sending out? We're only sending it out to eight families, eight eight to ten families. Um, oh, okay. At the moment, so it's not too crazy. It's not. It's, it's uh, not like you have a whole mailroom uh, with a yeah, but. But it could, but it could scale up very, very easily as as you're yeah, learning. Yeah. What are people telling you about their experience as they receive a box in the mail? What are you hearing? I think for the the littlies, for the children, it's the excitement of seeing and finding sweets in a little box that is kind of for them. But it's like the tangible things, the physical thing, and the uh, yeah, they're getting something in the mail. I think that's still quite important to folks, not just like a zoom link or something it's quite physical and that's that helps with that connection 
makes a lot of sense. What about Lexi? What about people in North Carolina? Yeah. Um, I would like to piggyback off that answer. I think they are surprised, even though they know that there's a box coming and they might know the theme of the box. There's still that element of surprise of, I, I don't know what day of the week I'm going to get it in the mail. I don't know what elements are going to be in there. I don't know what the questions, even though they're themed, I don't know what the questions are going to be. And um, we've, we're working on our second box. We sent the first one out for September and October. And the response we had was incredible because it was kind of a, a way for people to um, have church at home and it be personal. But then we were able to have discussions and conversations about it as a community. We sent out um, about 40 boxes this past go around. And it was so awesome to see the discussions that came from the elements in the box, because even though they were intentional and we knew what the questions were, it was like, they were almost different questions to everyone because of the interpretation and the perspective that people had on the questions. So it was cool that everyone has felt like they got something special to them, but then we've been able to come together and discuss everything as a community. So the response has been really awesome and exciting. Lexi, your ministry has an unusual name, Growth Co., which I said before we started recording, sounds like it trades on the NASDAQ, Growth Co., and that's a church plant coming out of West United Methodist Church. How did What, what is Growth Co.? So it was kind of a collaborative name. Um, we had to sit down and talk about what our intentions were, what we wanted um, the members of the church to experience, and growth was kind of just a central theme to it. As individuals in our 20s and 30s, um, we're still learning who we are. We're still growing on our spiritual journeys. Um, So growth in general was kind of where the first part came from. And co has multi meanings. Um, Co as in company, like you're growing with company surrounding. Co is very um, modern. It's a hip, like thing now to just shorten company to co and growth co just was catchy. It encompassed everything that we're trying to do as a church. And I don't know, we just kind of said it one day in a meeting and it stuck from there. And people are relating to that term. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, Mark, you serve a circuit of churches. Would that be four churches? At the moment, I've only got three churches. uh, Okay. uh, to with that or kind of oh go on. that in the uk that's actually a good to only have three that's that's better than having six which some people would have so that's um yeah i mean basically i've been a methodist minister for about 11 years now and so when i first started off i started off with four mm-hmm. and then i kind of got up to about six and then it, it fluctuates depending on the place and so because this is quite a a city center circuit then dare I say the numbers are a bit higher in some of these churches than more out in the rural parts. So I think that's why it justifies only having a few churches rather than a few more. Now, technology is something that's interesting to you. So you have been dabbling with all kinds of things digital through the COVID season, including this sort of mix of digital and and, um, tangible. Um, But you also do something with QR codes. Could you tell us about that? Uh, yeah, and it's interesting because I'm currently trying to persuade a number of my congregations to get on board with this, and they start to glaze over, and they kind of go, "Oh, what is, what is this person on about?" Uh, so I'll I'll try to be aware of uh, of how I get excited about this. So so basically, I think it was exploring the 
and, and identifying the limitations that we face during COVID times. And, uh, you know, how do we continue to, to be community? How do we continue to have contact with one another when we have to physically socially distance? And so something that kind of, again, was brewing over the last year um, was this idea of using a QR code. Now that we in, in the UK, we've kind of got an NHS app where you've got to go into any restaurant or cafe and you've got to pick your phone up and, and scan it. Um, here, here as well. Ah, cool. So so basically, I think people started to understand that how a QR roughly worked, the QR code roughly worked. And then basically, I started applying this to an idea that actually rather than physically doing like a carol service to actually attach a video to the QR code so that as people go around the the high street they go around the kind of the the marketplace areas or the the kind of the heavy footfall kind of places that they could uh, see a little poster on a shop window and you get the phone out and basically then that will bring up a video however that very quickly uh, developed into not just a video but actually into augmented reality so that because you're bringing a phone uh, yeah in front of you using the phone to scan the code then the app kind of then will present a lens of the video in front of you so you can see it through the phone on the high street so you would see your surroundings but the video would be in a three-dimensional space through the lens of your phone. So if I'm looking through the phone and I'm looking at a park bench, the park bench is still there, but there could be someone sitting on the park bench as I look through the phone. Is that the idea? Yeah, yeah. So the intention is for carols, you know, some carols to be sung to you, uh, but in a, in like a 3D space. Um, at one point, I was going to do it so that there actually just there is just a person stood there. Uh, however, having a transparent video is a lot more tricky than a, than just a flat screen so it's kind of like a, a screen there but with maybe 3d elements so like a christmas tree or a stable or a little crib manger that sort of thing this sounds really interesting um and our listeners can't see that lexi's eyes lit up as you were describing that um but it just sounds um again wonderfully interactive especially for younger people i'm thinking like children and, and teenagers it's is it a little bit like pokemon and um, i think you mean about pokemon go isn't it is pokemon go where you see where you yeah i mean we found a goblin sitting in a chair near a window in our living room one day um yeah it is it is basically like that and i, and I think the I think it's interesting though, because I think some people are scared by that it sounds mystical and mysterious. And as soon as you start talking about it, they kind of, as I've said, glaze over. But actually, it is quite straightforward. You've just got to understand the principles behind it. And then it is just very much like recording a normal video. But it's just the way it's presented. It's a little bit more novel. And uh, and once you kind of deal with that, actually, it's actually quite straightforward. Uh, I think the the only technical issue is actually whether it's going to work on the right person's phone at the right time. Sure. But I think you therefore then have a backup of like a QR code to a social media site or a, or a YouTube link sort of thing as a backup. So I think there are ways of getting around it. But I think it is, yeah, I think it's just a, a an interesting way into the, the age old thing of 
of, of getting alongside people and just offering a bit of church on the go and accessible to them wherever they may be. You know, so often when we hear the term hybrid ministry today, it typically means that a church is doing some um, kinds of ministry online, recording digital components that people can interact with either live or asynchronous. And then they also have gatherings where people come together, hybrid in terms of live in person or online. This, what, what I'm hearing here with the QR code interaction, as well as with the, the box being mailed, it's, it's a hybrid, but it's not like I have to go digital or I have to go in person. It's bringing those two things together. And that seems kind of interesting to me. Um, do you think hybrid ministry is a, um, a, a trend or a, a fad during COVID, or is it something that's going to be with us for a while? Thoughts? I think it's here to stay um, 100%. I think there's um, a convenience, but not in a, oh, I'm, I'm too lazy to go to church today. I think it's more of, I may be going on vacation this week. Um, I may be having to deal with young children who I don't want to bring into the church. I may be more comfortable with uh, anxiety and things like that, doing it hybridly. I think that it's an incredible opportunity that um, came out of a negative and scary place that COVID put us in. But I think it's here to stay. And I think it's amazing that it's here and it's potentially here to stay. I think for me, it definitely helps to bridge the gaps. And I think, as just as Lexi said about that, as anxiety is raised through COVID and things, it, I think there's also kind of our priorities have changed. So we've kind of taken a step back and kind of gone, oh, why are we doing what we're doing, how we're doing? And so therefore, it's given us permission to think a little bit differently, to be a bit more creative. Um, however, I would say that whilst I'm excited about the opportunities that it gives us, I think for others, maybe it's a bit more scary mm. and they, they kind of want to, they feel drawn back to the normal, to the, to the old ways of doing. And so I think we're in an interesting place now to try and encourage and enthuse each other to say, actually, why not? Why not try something a bit differently? And, uh, and things such as the, uh, the AR stuff and the carols and things, it's, it's another way of saying, actually, we could be church in a slightly different way. In regards to the AR and the carol sort of stuff, it's kind of an opportunity to be church, but less in your face. It kind of gives people permission to access if they want it. And if not, they can just stroll straight past. But if they do engage with it, then they get a friendly face. They get a, a local person there who can... Yeah, offer them, invite them in without having to be lingering the streets 24-7. We have known for some time that most human beings who wander into a worship service have gone on their phone to look at the website before they go in or while they're choosing where they're going to go. Um, and that's become pretty standard so that if a church doesn't have a phone-friendly website with good information that's engaging, um, honestly, it will impact the number of people that wander into your space because they've already kind of checked you out. I'm wondering if this hybrid piece becomes a way that, as you're saying, Mark, that the accessibility is there for those that aren't ready to dive deep in, but those that are in kind of a curious, exploring kind of mode, it makes it safe to explore without having to dress up 
or travel or to deal with um, lots of questions that you're not ready to engage meeting people in a new community. Yeah, I think all of these things kind of give us opportunities to take and they can be used to, yeah, as, as stepping stones to kind of draw people into the communities, into the fellowship. And, and therefore, you know, is everyone going to use a QR code? No, they're not. Is everyone going to kind of feel the, the connection with the, the postal boxes? Maybe not. But if we just kind of use some of these things and just keep on trying and using the technology that others are quite native to, then I think it just gives us opportunities. And I think, I think it's just, yeah, the choice is ours to take these opportunities and to push these doors and see how if people will react with them or not. I think it's an exciting time, especially through the hardship that we've all endured. You talk about the technologies that some folks are native to. Lexi, you said you were 25 years old. How, at what age were you holding um, a device in your hand or working with um, technology as a major part of your life? Has it been since you were in like middle school or earlier than that? Um, earlier than that, I remember I got my first cell phone in fourth grade. Um, and that was because my mom and dad worked later hours and I went to after school care and it was just kind of a safety thing for me to have a cell phone, but it was sixth grade, which was my first year of middle school when I started taking typing class and computer technology class. So I don't remember a life without technology being a huge part of it. So it's been said that that one of the real defining characteristics of Gen Z as they emerge onto the scene is that they really don't remember a life without technology being significantly in, integrated into their day-to-day moment-to-moment experience. And so that's what it means to be native. And so from a cultural perspective, it's just where culture is. It's how we do it's and and in, and now after COVID, it's how we shop. It's how we go to work. It's how we go to school some of the time. And I say some of the time because we do still like to get out and to go to a real movie theater and, and to get popcorn and to walk in, you know, um, I actually have not done that since the pandemic, but it's tempting. Every time I drive past the place, I say, one of these days, I'm going back in that place. Um, people are filling stadiums in both the UK and in the United States because they were so hungry to not watch it on television, but to get into the live energy and the interaction of all that cheering and so forth. Um, I don't sense personally that um, digital in the short run is going to steal away the human longing to be immersed in um, physical proximity to people. But do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I do. As much as I love and am thankful for the opportunity to do digital, I still have a bias towards in-person because I'm a people person. I could talk to a brick wall and I'm sure it'd get sick of me talking to it. So (laughs) I'm definitely an in-person gal, but I love for the people who may be more introverted, uh, the opportunities and the connection that you can still get over um, digital opportunities and technology. Like Paul, before we started the podcast, he said, I don't think I've ever seen your face before, but I've, we've had many conversations and I feel like we have built a relationship through the past couple months and we would never have been able to do that if this were not an option for us. So there are some cool um, aspects to digital for sure. So 
I think for those people who have kind of been brought up in the church and used to the physicality of the church and kind of used to the uh, the very physical kind of space and the prayerful place that it is, then I think if you're trying to exchange like for like into a, a digital sphere, into a digital platform, then I think you're going to really struggle to say, yeah, that's exactly the same. It's not comparable. However, for those people on the fringe of church, those who are kind of interested in this thing called God, but wanting to dabble, wanting to explore, then actually to have something of a digital offering that is accessible on YouTube or something like that allows them to anonymously just kind of dip in and to explore at an arm's length that they are comfortable with rather than completely immersing them into a physical space where they will be looking for the exit. Uh, and so just to kind of give them that freedom and that opportunity at their own leisure to explore God and to explore elements of faith um, in, a, in a neutral place, in the comfort of their own home, then I think there's a real opportunity. And, and I think we can't kind of, we can't just measure things by the church's standard. We've got to kind of allow ourselves that f- flexibility and that understanding that people will be coming a completely different perspective to our own. Had the conversation with my leadership team as young adults in our mid twenties, we kind of um, assumed that our relationship with God was limited to the building that we were going to on Sundays. We kind of lost uh, the ability and understanding that in our everyday life, our relationship with God can grow and we can apply it to our everyday life situations. So I think it has helped open my mind up now that I can hop on a Zoom and grow my faith and my um, relationship with God through a Zoom because that's new to me. Like you were saying, Mark, I'm pretty used to going to church on Sunday morning to the same building, and that's where my spirituality comes from. So the digital has kind of opened up my eyes to see um, that it can be anywhere So I kind of look at digital as just a new pathway. And like you said, Paul, it's not there to compete or replace. It's just a new opportunity. Yes, a new opportunity and not necessarily a threat to um, existing ministries. Um, And Lexi, also, I hear people talking about their church building and keeping their church building open, keeping the roof replaced and the the instruments open. updated and they're spending hundreds of thousands, if not millions on these facilities. And there comes a point where it's almost like more energy is going into the maintenance of the facility than the development of the ministry. We see this a lot. So this almost um, creates a nice balance against that sort of over-dependence on the building. Yeah. Um, So with that in mind, if you were talking to a congregation that felt threatened by the move towards some digital kinds of practices, and if you saw some of the people that used to show up every Sunday showing up part of the Sundays, but they're connecting part of the time online, sometimes they feel as if the online is going to steal people out of the sanctuary. It's going to make people less committed. It's going to be more casual and it's just a lessening of the faith practice. Um, what would you say to those folks? Well, I really I stumped you on that one. It's about, excuse me, start over again, please. Uh, I think for me, it's about educating the congregation 
about our expectations, about what we, yeah, assume what, what worship is, what we get from the building and things like that, and trying to help them see that the connection with God can happen in many ways and it doesn't just have to be in a physical building. And whilst there might be some fear, concern, worry, dot, 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 I think actually there's something here about just listening to testimony, listening to other people's stories. And so one of my churches, uh, I won't go into mention any names or otherwise, but they were really keen to drop the live stream because they said, look, we're all back in the building now, let's carry on. And actually what really helped was one individual who was going through quite some medical issues in and out of hospital, but they continued to zoom in, whether they were on the hospital bed, at home, isolating. Uh, and, and they spoke up and they said, look, it's, it's been a lifeline to me. And, and I think as soon as people heard that, they kind of could see that they were yeah, making assumptions and actually they can kind of understand that actually they shouldn't really get in the way of that and get in the way of God. Yeah, I think you had really stumped me because I was trying to think of not how to come off as uh, harsh for what I want to say, but <laughs> <laughs> some of the most faithful people I know do not go to church on Sunday mornings. Um, and I think it would be a very limited and limiting mindset to assume that just because you do step foot in church on a Sunday, that that's the only way to grow and develop a, a relationship with God. So, um, yeah. And on top of that, I agree, Mark, with exactly what you said. Well, after I am done visiting with you today, I get to go and be a part of a small group where I will be probably sitting in this same chair and connecting with people, one of whom is immune compromised, another person is visiting family across the country, and we all will be able to gather tonight because of digital technology. And so um, it really does make some things possible that otherwise would not be possible. I really appreciate each of you sharing here. We are really moving into a paradigm-changing season um, in culture, in ministry. You're both quite a bit younger than I am, and you are going to see a lot more change and innovation over the years ahead. Um, are you excited about the potential of continued ad adaptation to changing culture and changing technology? Or does that kind of wear you out just thinking about it? I think it's extremely exciting because the more um, that we are able to go and meet people where they are, the more unchurched individuals we can bring to Christ. So I'm definitely looking forward to expanding our opportunities to meet the people who may never step foot in a church building. Yeah, for me, I think I've always grown up with change in the church, but also in home life too, with changing technology and stuff. And so actually, it's not a point of thinking, oh, this is going to become static. Actually, it's always been changing. It's always been developing and moving forwards. And, and I think whether that's been as a child in church and operating old different technology now, or through to kind of youth work stuff. And I remember always having to think on your feet with the youth because they would just throw 101 things at you and you just had to be fluid and always changing, always adapting to them. And dare I say, as a, as a Methodist minister now, I continue to apply that and continue to adapt, continue to change. And so it's just part of, 
a part of my life really that I'm happy for things to continue to adapt and change. Unless I get to a certain age and suddenly it just <laughs> switches, I'm not sure. But. Thank you both for sharing. This is Field Preacher's podcast. The metaphor of a field preacher, it goes back to the work of John Wesley way back. Not None of us on this podcast are field preachers, yet we are seeking to work in innovative space, to work outside the, the typical boundaries of where ministry has often been expected to happen. Um, with us today, we've had Lexi Hernandez from North Carolina, Mark Stinnett from um, Leeds, England. We thank you both. Thank you. It was awesome being here. Yeah, bless you. Thank you for having us. Field Preachers Podcast is a ministry of the United Methodist Church. Field Preachers Podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.